Hello, friends, and welcome finally to your first Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast of the new season. Have to open, of course, with an apology. Blame, friends, the EFL fixtures computer, which sent Ross and Alex to Sunderland for 5 p.m. on a Sunday night. Then, obviously, they were extremely busy. Uh, they then had to stay up really late in a hotel, different hotels in Sunderland. We'll maybe touch on that in a minute, doing all their work. And then had to travel back all the way back from Sunderland yesterday. I think Ross got home about seven o'clock, uh, which obviously meant, although I was here because I, I didn't travel to the game, I watched it in the comfort of the, my own lounge at Heath Towers. I had no one to get excited with on this pod about it. And even me talking to myself, I don't think has has that much appeal. So here we are. We are finally here now. We can talk about things very excitedly, friends. I'm Mark Heath. And with me, of course, the Young Guns. I really like, by the way, boys, the way you've leaned into this nickname, the Young Guns, which I kind of coined flippantly after watching that Wham! documentary. Um, and now Roscoe uses it every single time you're on screen together. Um, AJ, how are you? Uh, trademark tired is uh, <laughs> the way we're going. As I get asked every single time, how am I with these? Yeah, I think pre-season in itself was exhausting enough. And then uh, Sunderland straight into there and back over over the last couple of days, straight into a nice press conference this morning, first thing in the morning. Um, it's, it's the fun of not having Stu here, isn't it? You get right into the uh, the, met- the metaphorical spotlights and yeah. also realise that you have to take on all of his work as well. <laughs> so it's um, been an intense few days, but I don't think necessarily that the, the trip up to Wearside could have gone too much better. So fairly happy with it. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. I mean, we should just say, obviously, this is Tuesday afternoon we're recording this. So ideally, we would have done it earlier this morning. But there was a, then a press conference uh, this morning. And now Town are doing press conferences back in person again for the first time since COVID, which means AJ had to get up about half five and drive over from Cambridge, where you live, mm-hmm. um, and cover that as if you uh, you weren't tired enough. Rossi, of course, just strolls down there like a care in the world living living so close. to Actually, it was Portman Road, wasn't it? So a bit further for you to travel this morning, Rossi. How are you anyway, my young, bearded, handsome friend? Oh, oh, thank you very much. I feel better now for um, joining both of you guys here on the pod and uh, the listeners um, listening. Yes. Watching. <laughs> Watching as well. Hello. You can see our beautiful faces and all that. But now, yes, buzzing from the, the win on against Sunderland. What a way to start. Three points. Championship. Hello. We're coming for you and all that. Uh, but yeah, great to be back. Excellent. Before we get off, uh, get off. Before we start with the game, let's not get off. Um, let's before we start with the game, boys. How did you end up in separate hotels? Should I field this one, or do you want to take it, Ross? Uh, that it's not. It wasn't my fault, all right. It wasn't my <laughs> fault. But you can take it away. Um, well, we 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 left the planning of this one fairly late because it was kind of in the sharp turnaround between coming back from Innsbruck and, and going off. So it was not we didn't have too much time to work with in the end, deciding that we we'd get the train there and back because I didn't really have Stu to, to split the travel with and we're still waiting for Ross to uh well, we know that the, the theory test isn't too far away now. So the days of splitting the travel with Ross might not be too far. Um Ross decided to uh, book my accommodation as well. Very, very grateful for that, that people have been stepping in to, to do all these kinds of things uh, and, and went to book his. I got booked into the lovely Premier Inn, Sunderland City Centre. Ross went to do his as well. Um, unfortunately, Ross has started to kind of pinwheel, I believe, as he was booking it. And then he thought, ah, yeah, I'll just click off. It'll be fine. <laughs> Leaving him to get uh, an email from the lovely booking team at NewsQuest that informed him his booking hadn't gone through and said Premier Inn had now sold out, uh, leaving him to panic and 
had to get onto the phone with them to book him into the Holiday Inn, which was nearer and looked a little bit snazzier. I can't lie. I feel like Ross got the better end of the deal here, uh, which is why we ended up about kind of five, ten minutes walk away from each other in, in the other side of uh, kind of Sunderland city centre on Sunday evening. So a unique experience in that respect, having stayed in the same hotel for the likes of Preston uh, and when we went to Innsbruck and then all of a sudden he was being shifted over to the other side in this swanky holiday inn. What a lovely place to be on a Sunday night as well. <laughs> Rossi, you said while you were doing your work, you got chatting to some Swedish fans, didn't you? Yeah, um, I can't remember his name now. So sorry to that Swedish fan. He was there with his son and they were actually waiting. They've actually stayed at that hotel on the Saturday um, evening to, of course, watch the game Sunday. But they were actually waiting for a bus to, to take them, of course, the, to, um, to an airport for 10 to 12. So I was like, OK. And they're just basically waiting. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're based in northern Sweden um, and they listen to all the pods. They love it. Um, he's been a town fan since 1975. Just wow. one day, town were on the telly, and he just went from there. Basically, a lot of people always go, "Why do you support Twitch?" But there we go. But yeah, he was um, part of that 2000 town fans in that away end at Sunderland, and uh, yeah, it was great to have a little chinwag with him. And uh, yeah, very interesting night because yeah, me and Alec had to leave each other. You know, we went to McDonald's briefly. Um, didn't have what I wanted, so I was sort of annoyed. Um, and yeah, we went back and the rest is history. I assume you just spent the night just texting each other, just telling each other how much you missed each other and wished you were in the same hotel, that sort of vibe. It's been just... hard, hasn't it? Because we spent so much time together. It's just been <laughs> With Shu not here, it's just been young guns covering everything at the moment. So yeah. uh, maybe just, there was some separation anxiety. <laughs> just you wait till dad gets back. Sees what you've been doing. Well, then, friends, let's 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 waste no more time talking about anything else. Ipswich Town started their season finally at Sunderland. We knew it was going to be a very tough game, so it proved to be. But bloody hell, friends, they came home with all three points, didn't they? Very impressively, one two one at Sunderland. One of the, the sides that be expected to be right up there in the championship this season. Obviously, playoff semi finalists from last season. What a start, Alex! I'm going to kick off with you. This is your first competitive fixture as an Ipswich Town reporter. What fixture it was, what game it was, and what a result it was. Yeah, I think I'd heard this described a little bit as uh, four games in one was one of the descriptions I'd heard. I think that was on a, another podcast I was listening to over the weekend. He said, yeah, there was pretty much a little bit of everything across this one. I think most town fans would have found that one of the most draining experiences of their lives. Um <laughs> Which is strange when it comes to the opening day and you look at it as kind of, well, I think most town fans would have been happy with avoiding defeat and a good performance going into this one, knowing how hard it was going to be, knowing how Sunderland, especially towards the end of last season, just swept teams aside. So to leave with all three points, pretty much, I'd say also regardless of how you do it, but they did play well for, for large parts of that game, despite a few kind of shaky moments, as I'm sure we'll touch on. That That is an absolutely fantastic start. It's pretty much as good as they could have wanted it to have mm. been. Um, yeah, this is the nerves of the championship now. I think you could really feel it when we were kind of maybe 10, five, 10 minutes before kickoff and they had 40,000 plus fans just baying for blood as the teams came out. And you're thinking, oh, wow, okay. I know that Town have obviously been at 
the Stadium of Light a few times with, with similar kind of atmospheres before. But I think this was one of those where after Sunderland's last season and town going up, there was such a high level of expectation from both sides. So a really fantastic occasion, but to get that result to go with it and that performance, you couldn't have asked for much more. Mm. Yeah, a bit different to Forest Green away, Rossi. Uh, you're obviously pitch side. In terms of perfect opening day performances, results, locations, you go to Sunderland, massive club, as uh, as AJ says there, febrile atmosphere, thousands of fans kind of booing, chanting, wanting you to lose. You're really up against it in the first 15, 20 minutes we'll talk about. I mean, Sunderland came out like gangbusters. Town were pinned back like we hadn't seen them all of last season. They were seriously under the under the cosh. And then you, you face all that, you score, you hold on, 13 extra minutes or however you want to put it, added time at the end. Usually in the past we've been like, oh Tan, they're gonna they're gonna get they're gonna concede. It's gonna end up two two, which would have felt deflating, wouldn't it? But they hold on. So how many boxes ticked in the very first game? Many boxes, and of course, live on Sky. You know, mm. Sky a lot curse. of people probably What's yeah, that? yeah, because that's another thing. Okay, we got rid of that curse in League One, but not in the Championship because that's where mm. it all started. Um, but that's another box ticked straight away. Um, beating a you know a playoff team, pretty much a promotion you know, contender this year as well. I'm sure Sunderland will be up there. Um, I will admit I'm now 36 years old because I've probably <laughs> lost 10 years of my life because of that, that 13 plus bloody added on. That was just anything could have happened in that time. You know, once again, Sunderland could have had a lucky, you know, stop hitting off Cameron Burgess's arse or something. It could have gone in like that way. Um, but yeah, town, they didn't do a typical town thing. They defended... For, for their lives and they um, got the win and uh, yeah what a way to start you know back in the championship after four long years in league one and as you said from forest green to the stadium like very different venues <laughs> different crowds um and yeah they're just they're, they're showing that they can play against the best of the best in the championship because Sunderland have got some good players mm. really good players and yeah it was nervy you know that, that opening 20 30 minutes I thought oh okay and I think players may have, would have been shocked. Maybe I know they they know championship is a different level to League One, but maybe they weren't expecting that straight away from you know basically first whistle. You know, Sunderland were straight away on town. Um, but yeah, what a way to start. Yeah, we'll talk about that, those added minutes at some point because we've got a clip from McKenna talking about that. That clearly is going to be something that becomes an issue going forward. It's going to be the new normal, as we say now after COVID, the new normal. Um, and it's also going to lead us to some serious issue with deadlines, boys, especially with the star on live match nights. Not that you have to worry about that, but I definitely have to worry about that. So that's something I want to talk about. And obviously we can talk. There's so much to talk about around the game. But first of all, AJ, before we get into the nuts and bolts of the game, I want to address the elephant in the room. Because at half time, you tweeted essentially that it was a horrid first half to watch. And you got some pelters on the old socials. What a lovely place it is to be when people disagree with you. Um, but I've got to say, mate, I totally understand what you meant by that, because for the first 15, 20, 25 minutes, as someone watching, obviously want a town to do well, it was it was hard to watch. I mean, Sunderland came out of the gates sprinting. Longo said after the game, actually, it was a shock to our system, that kind of pace, that frenetic pace. And town were, town were in all sorts of bother early doors. They were all over them and they were making mistakes. And every time they, they got the ball, they seemed to give it away. Um so do you want to talk a little bit about that? Give you give you the floor to kind of apologise, not really the right word, explain yourself for that that term. Yeah, I'm not apologising at all because I yes. stand by it. I yes. stand by it uh, just under 
48 hours on, I think <laughs> that it was exactly what I would have gone with. It was a really difficult first half to watch. And it did improve as time wore on and Town did have our chances. But those first kind of 15, 20, probably up to the half hour mark especially, was just fairly torrid because mm. every time that Town got on the ball, they were pressed within an inch of their lives. Now, teams will do that in the championship, fair enough. Um, I didn't necessarily think it was great that Town were kind of playing into their hands with some kamikaze moves. There were some really heavy touches, one where Morsey, for example, the kind of player that you, you'd expect to be the calm figure in midfield, was just knocking it far too hard. There were, were loose passes all over the place. We had... Um, a very nervy moment when Luke Wolfenden, I think, comes up against Jack Clark. Wolfenden has the ball down the right side and Clark just barges him off, brushes him out of the way and creates a fantastic chance from it. So it was it was nervy that. It was very cagey to watch. And it's one of those where you're, you're sat there and you think it's understandable. And I kind of get the criticisms that come with what I said because everyone knew that it was going to be a step up, 100%. Mm. It was going to be a real challenge going into this one with, with how good Sunderland are with how they use the space. You've got to bear in mind stadium lights like a colossal pitch. You could probably fit Portman Road about 80 times in there. Um, it was always going to be a real challenge doing that, but that doesn't mean it wasn't an uncomfortable watch. You look at it statistically and town at halftime were kind of outgunned in pretty much every aspect except for shots on target. And that was also largely because of the goal they scored at the end, which I did say looked like a fluke goal when it went in. Uh, we weren't blessed with highlights, unfortunately, uh, as the screens didn't work in the press box. They were all blacked out. And when we had a look at it on the, uh, the Sky Sports clip, you can definitely see it was not a fluke goal at all. But it didn't really change how the first half as a whole panned out. It was really uncomfortable. And I think that every single town fan would have absolutely snapped your arm off to be one up at the break, despite the fact mm. that they had the moments, for example, when Hurst gets played through on goal, it just gets stuck underneath his feet. Uh, there was a Leaf Davis shot that gets cleared off the line. There was another moment where Wes Burns just has a, gets into a good place, scoops it into the goalkeeper's arms. There were good chances there, but when you compare it to the way that they were pressed, that they were put under pressure, and also the, the mistakes that they ended up making in their own in their own half, in their own third. You looked at Hladke, for example, who probably felt a bit uncomfortable playing out from the back. And, and when Town were doing that, they were just swarmed at times. Mm. It became difficult. That is what the step-up is. It's what we expect. But when you look at it from, from a, that kind of standpoint, it does mean that that first half was just really nail-biting to watch. And it, I, I'd say it was pretty uncomfortable, yeah. Yeah, I think people maybe extrapolated the word horrid to mean their performance mm. but I think the way I read it anyway was to watch it was like an uncomfortable um you're kind of on the edge of your seat thinking Jesus yeah. and Rossi like 10 minutes in we, we all knew obviously Town are stepping up they're playing a very good team on the road clearly championship's going to be harder but because of the way Town played last season essentially sweeping sides teams aside we never really saw them treated like that I mean the first 10 minutes they were they were completely suddenly were all over them like a rash um pace pressing possession very very different to what we saw last season at town what was it like for you watching that because i thought at the time i was thinking those first 10 15 minutes i was thinking hmm maybe uh maybe we got a bit too excited about this season if this is going to be like every game in the championship this might be a long season 
Yeah, the football is very much faster. Even just, I had to bring up my shutter speed, um, my camera, because I was like, you know, I've, I've got it set for League One um, still, and uh, <laughs> I had to bring my shutter speed a bit, a little bit higher because, uh, yeah, the action was coming right at me so quickly. Um, and yeah, you haven't got like well, Luke Wolferden, of course, great defender, and he's very laid back, but he can't hmm. be as laid back now because, yeah, they're going to pressure, they're going to demand to you know get the ball off you and. Uh, in League One, you could sort of, yeah, have the ball a bit. You can have a little look round. You can, you know, have a cup of tea if you fancy. But um, in the Championship, they're going to pounce on you. And that's what Sunderland did. And they're a good pressing side. Tony Mowbray has got that team drilled to basically don't let you have a, a moment, you know, um, time to actually breathe because they're going to mm. attack you, attack you. And that's what they did in that opening 10 minutes. And maybe that's what shocked a lot of the players, actually. I know, as we said before, the Championship, we know it's, you know, a very good league because... You know the football last year and the teams up there, um, so maybe it was a bit of a shock to the system. Um, and I think they're going to, of course, work on that because you know these players want to be championship players. I mean, if they're not going to be good enough for the championship, then McKenna will move on and, and sign other players, I'm sure. But um, I think after that, as of that 20 minute period, I think they the town grew into the game, were getting chances. As Alex sort of mentioned, you know, Leif Davis, what a chance for him to you know score. Um, coming into the championship and, you know, off the line from Luke 9 the Sunderland, the captain. Um, but then, yeah, Broadhead got his goal and that was sort of like, once again, the cliche, perfect time to score just before the halftime whistle. So, uh, yeah, it was a nervy 20 minutes or so, but Town got themselves into the game and, yeah, they went on to score 1-0 in halftime. Probably deserving the lead, actually. To their credit, as you say, Rossi, they uh, they showed that they were comfortable being uncomfortable and they slowly turned the tide. And and to be fair, they actually had by far the better chances in the first half, didn't they? I think I can only recall Hadley making the one save from uh, Equa, was it? And uh, Bellingham missed the rebound, didn't he? Um, and yeah, goal. Davis deflected. I mean, as you say, in real time, it looks like, it looks like a little bit of a fluke, but watching it back, fantastic seal from Broadhead. And then to come out and score again, second half. Now, at this point, I just want to pause for a little bit of Nathan Broadhead appreciation because that pass, boys, like watching it live, you're like, oh my God, that is an unbelievable pass. Watching it again on the replay, it was perfect. The angle of it, that where it led Hurst to without leading him too close to the keeper and also the fact he it, it kind of led him in stride. And Hurst, we know, hadn't scored at all in the championship. Huge questions about whether or not he could step up despite what he's done in League One. You think maybe he's going to be nervous first time he's got he's got opportunity. No such luck. He absolutely hammered it, didn't he, AJ? What a goal that was. And then you 2 nil up. Mm. Yeah, the Hurst goal was quite something. I think touching on the Broadhead ones, I kind of mentioned it was one of mm. those where it looked at full speed like a bit of a fluke. You look at it again and you can see the run that Broadhead's trying to make. And he does. He, he just sneaks past the defender around the back and then you can see him stick out the leg. It is totally intentional. It's just at full speed. Also with the fact it came from absolutely nothing pretty much. Yeah. It was very hard to see that one and it just looked like it was Davis's shot, cannons off Broadhead and rolls into the net. Not at all. It's a real poacher's finish. But the, the star of the show was that the move for the second goal. I think it was fantastic the way that Morsey uh, brings the ball forward. I think he gets fouled and the referee really does well there, boys, play on. Broadhead it was, Longo. Uh, was it Longo? Longo. Sorry, yeah, yeah. who does that? I've yeah. had real problems telling the difference between those two. I've had a discussion with Ross about this, where they look quite similar apart from their height. So it's been a little bit of a tricky one for me getting used to that. Longo gets fouled then in that one. Ref does really well, Waves play mm -hmm. on. Um, Broadhead brings it forward. 
it's an absolutely sensational pass again it's one of those where you probably have to look back at it again just to see the amount of bodies that he gets the ball through hard enough as it is but the way he waits it it's the that's weight, the big thing the exactly because it's so easy to put too much on that it would only take a little yeah. bit more power and that's rolling out for a goal kick the fact that he then manages to not even send Hurst to the byline there. Mm. He plays him just perfectly through, rolls just through, doesn't need to take a touch. He Hurst just sees it there. He knows exactly where it's going. And the finish is just what makes it. If he took a touch, I think it would probably take a little bit of the um style away from the goal. It would have taken a sting off the shot. It's the way how he, he has the momentum behind him and he just rasps it. Such yeah. a powerful hit. No chance for uh, Patterson, the Sunderland goalkeeper. It's a fantastic goal. Huh? It's, and also the, the fact that he, he barely touched the ball in the first half, George Hurst. Mm. He didn't really have any anything at all. He, he pressed and he, and he kind of harried as, as manfully as he could do, but he hadn't had a sniff of goal, really. And then your first opportunity to score in the Championship, you absolutely take it with force. Uh, as I say, I've watched the goal about 50 times, I reckon, just for the, the weight of that pass. It was so perfect. Um, Shall we listen to, to Kieran McKenna talking about George Hurst now? Let's do it. Um, delighted for him. We've got a lot of faith in him, um, and we think there's still a lot more to come. He's he's hit the ground running to be first since he come back um, this summer, and he's he scored in the pre-season games. And um, today was a good game for him because it was tough. We didn't get as good a service, you know, up and around him as we wanted at times. So we had to battle away against the centre halves, and you know sometimes that's that's the job. You just have to battle and um, work hard for the team off the ball, try and secure the ball, and then be ready for when your big moments come. And I think. He had one in the first half that came across and he, he didn't quite get the right connection. But in the second half, when his big moment came, he was there and, um, you know, great bit of movement, great finish. So, yeah, delighted for him. That's, um, you know, I know he's going into the season wanting to show people that he can play at this level. You know, what I said earlier about ticking boxes, George Hurst getting his first championship goal in the first game. That's another box ticked, isn't it? Can I also at this point just remind you, friends, that I did say Nathan Broadhead was going to get a double-double this season. That's a goal and assist in his first game. That's that's pretty decent. Um, I've got numerous players I want to highlight, so I'm going to bring up another name now in terms of this, this turnaround. I thought Sam Morsey was absolutely titanic in this game. Um, in the first half, when they were penned back, he was everywhere, everywhere. It reminded me, obviously they're very different players, but back, back when I was young and in, in the early 2000s, I think it was around 2000, 2001, David Beckham playing for England was often like two men. He'd cover every blade of grass. He was everywhere in, on the screen. And although, as I say, they're very different players, it felt like that again from Morsey on, on Sunday because every time it, it felt like Sunderland attacked and there was a second man helping a defender, it felt like it was Sam Morsey every single time. And his ability to break up play and then take these little touches and turn. He's got this brilliant knack of kind of knowing when he's got time to turn and take a look up, hasn't he? And kind of launch a, a counter-attack. I, I thought he was I thought he was brilliant. I thought he was absolutely fantastic, Rossi. Tell me I'm wrong. No, you're not wrong because, <laughs> yeah, he put in a skipper performance. He mm. was here, there and everywhere. Like Massimo Luongo's got a chant, um, him being everywhere. Um, but Sam Morsey is the same because he is on players like a rash. He's, you know, he bullies his players, or you know, not not town players, but the, the opposition, because he's just there and just wanting the ball, wanting to win the ball. Um, and I'm sure he's thriving being back in the championship because he dropped down, you know, to come to League One with Ipswich Town originally. He's you know was playing championship football with Middlesbrough, but he came down, got this team back to championship football, and that's what he's loving. He's loving playing championship football, I'm sure. And yeah, he's just 
he is a heartbeat of this team, and we've said that. You know, I think it was Stu who put him as his MVP for the season. Mm. And you know, I agree with that. I know I picked uh, Leif Davis, but Morsey, he will be a key man just going into every game because he's the captain. He leads his team from every position. He's just here, there, and everywhere. And yeah, I, I just can't wait to see him playing, especially in the derby. I think he's going to be. As long as he doesn't get sent off in the first five minutes, yeah. yeah. Don't, don't, but he's don't he's, he's he's pretty good though at controlling himself, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I love about him is he's constantly talking to people. You know, he's cajoling, he's instructing, he's he's kind of geeing people up. Um, and, and and as I say, I thought it was a great performance. But the thing I think I most loved about it was that it was uh, he was doing the dirty stuff. You know the kind of unfashionable stuff, right down in the muck and bullets. He wasn't getting on the ball and doing this kind of fancy, fancy Dan stuff. He he was having to work so hard and helping everyone um, in terms of the defensive side of things. I just thought it was brilliant. Is there anyone that you'd like to to highlight, Alex? Or have you got any any kind of thoughts on on Morsey's display? It's your first time seeing him in a in a competitive environment. Yeah, I touched on Morsey to start off with. Thought he was superb. I think his movement is maybe what surprised me the most because as a deep lying midfielder, you don't necessarily think he's going to be as agile as he is. Mm. There was a moment quite near the end where Sunderland had a corner. Tal managed to clear it, goes up to him, and I think they only had maybe about two or three players back. The ball comes up to Morsey. I'm thinking this is not a player who's going to be able to beat his man, bring the ball forward, and set someone up. Yeah, well, I was wrong. Uh, easily breezes his way through, I think, a couple of players. When he needs to dig deep and, and really push his legs and, and push town up the field, he does it easily. And he, he's a fantastic pass. I think it might have been the one where Harness had the shot that was mm. uh, saved right at the end in stoppage time. Fantastic player. In terms of other ones to, to pick out, I thought, Wes Burns was a real threat down the right. I think this is the point where you can see the combination play that, that just really stands out. Him with Chaplin and Broadhead, they all intertwine, they all mix around. Uh, you often see Broadhead kind of coming over to the right. When they end up combining, there was a fantastic moment which which almost led to a goal where Burns brings the ball down to the byline, crosses in, it's Broadhead's flick back to Chaplin, who just, as he usually does, floats around a little bit deeper in acres of space, has the shot, deflects out for a corner, very, very close to going in, thought he did well. Have to touch on Wongo, we'll get it right, saying it was Longo this time, who I thought, this is probably where things get a little bit difficult for Jack Taylor, I'd say, because you can see how good and how confident Longo is playing alongside yeah. Morsey and vice versa. There's so much chemistry built up there. Again, I, I always felt that maybe they were too quite defensive players in, in how they approach the game and Jack Taylor would, would offer something else and the fact that he likes to play further forward. We've seen McKenna's mentioned that that he always would play as a kind of false number 10 really quite high up the pitch and I thought, well, well Morsey's not that. It's, it's a deeper role that both of them, sorry, Morsey and Luongo are not that. They both like to play deeper roles. If you got two players doing that, then you're almost isolating the, the four attacking players. Not no. at all. One sits deep, the other one pushes. They have that chemistry and that knowledge where one of them knows when to stay and the other one knows when to go when Town are trying to move the ball forward. It's going to be hard for Taylor to work his way into that. He's got a, a lot of chemistry to build up, but that's that's the kind of connection that you need and the kind of stability. And this is one of the, the big reasons why Town have done well in keeping the core of this squad together. The team that started at Sunderland was largely the one that won promotion from League One last year. There are obviously concerns around that in, in some 
degrees, but at the same time, everyone knows each other. And that midfield partnership is probably the main point of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that was probably the thing that surprised me about the, the team selection. Um, I wasn't surprised that Danassian started, given he's such a good one-on-one defender. But I was kind of expecting Jack Taylor to be a midfield. So to see get especially given Luongo had some in, some injury issues, so to see Luongo in there, then play so well, as you say, essentially the, the side minus Clark and uh, Walton, obviously, um, that won promotion. Um, Rossi, let's talk about the penalties that weren't. So first of all, we had the... Danassian clash with Clark in the first half, to use the the classic football terminology. You've seen those given, uh, and then the uh, the George Hurst mugging in the second half after uh, Connor Chaplin had hit the bar and Hurst going to to make it a quick brace and just gets basically wiped out. Um, and that wasn't a penalty either. I personally, watching them both back, and you know, I would argue that it probably both were penalties. Yeah, maybe a few more games in the season. I think referees at the moment, so far, some games I've seen, they've been a little bit lenient, actually. They haven't, they're not giving away too much stuff just yet. Of course, there's a few bookings in this game. Of course, we will get on to, of course, maybe we'll get on to the Sunderland's red card, um, which probably didn't help town, actually, in the end, clearly, because uh, Sunderland... They better after that, didn't they? They did, actually, did. <laughs> that galvanised um, them, yeah. Pretty much, but yeah... Uh, George Hurst, and I think even George Hurst, I've seen him put a tweet out on social media um, about it because, yeah, he's about to shoot and he's just, he basically just get, yeah, as you said, just get mugged basically. Um, and yeah, yeah, go back to the Genoi incident that, yeah, you've seen them given before, but the George Hurst one, watching it back from that angle, because I was right in front of it and at the time I was like, oh, that doesn't look great. And of course, since watching it back with the angle, I thought, oh, that looks bloody worse actually. Mm. Um, so yeah. We can't go back now, of course. We can't go back now, but um, yeah, would that have been a, another big t- turning point? Because yeah, we would have yeah, it would have been three 0 if we got that penalty. Um, so yeah, hopefully we'll get penalties in in the future because yeah, once again, th- those sort of decisions can cost you. Thankfully, it didn't cost us. Um, but yeah, it, it was a pen, all right. It was a pen. Yeah, luckily it, did, it didn't cost them. Obviously, McKenna subsequently got booked. You say the the rest was being a bit lenient, um, but both managers got booked. I think they're obviously starting the season in terms of cracking down on manager descent, aren't they? We saw a senior get sent off at Norwich, things like that. I think there are quite a lot of managers booked uh, this weekend. Quite unusual to see. Um, any thoughts on that on the penalties, AJ? Before we move on to other stuff, um, I think that. The one on Hurst was probably about three red cards and a suspended <laughs> prison sentence. I feel like I could go down as GBH if uh, that happened on the street. <laughs> Bloody hell. That was um, quite something from Dan Ballard. It was a little bit reckless. That was really the, the main one that uh, I, I took away from, from, from that game. I think maybe there's a perspective. I don't know whether this is maybe a naive point but it's just after the shot comes in from Chaplin it mm. cracks off the crossbar uh, do, you, do you reckon that the ref was just so taken aback by the fact that Colin Chaplin had just hit the crossbar from almost the halfway line it's yeah. like, oh wow that's a shot and a half and he just kind of didn't really clock that Ballard had come in and assaulted Hurst in the box because it was right in front of him as well when you look at the photos and the videos it's not really hard for him to to see what happens so i was really confused by that one it was probably three or four red cards in one uh, and i don't think mckenna was best pleased either but at the end of the day yes it, it would have 
given Town a good chance to have made it 3 0 at that point, the game's dead, it's over. But they won it. So hopefully we can leave the uh, dodgy decisions to die and we won't be touching on them too much over the next few months. I genuinely think that's probably a good shout, Alex, to be honest, because it was such an outrageous attempt, wasn't it? Um, and then to cannon off the crossbar in such a way, I guess your eye is taken away from what's going on in terms of the fight for the rebound. You, it shouldn't be, but maybe, I mean, maybe that's, that's what's happened there. Um, there's one more player, obviously, I want to talk about in depth, uh, unless you boys have anything else. And that, of course, is Vlaklav Hladki, who started the game. It was his first ever championship start, his first league start, I think, since December 2021 at Sunderland. Couldn't be more pressure. We know he's going to be between the sticks, likely for a, a period of time that's happened, actually, since we last spoke, the Walton injury, worse than feared. Um, started very nervously, gave the ball away with his first touch, then had that kind of decent save, but also shaky moment where the ball ended up at, at Bellingham's feet. But then, having largely neutralised the threat for much of the second half, Sunderland get a goal back, nothing he can do about that. And then in the in the waning multiple minutes added on, he has a chance to be a hero. And he makes himself a hero, Rossi. What a save that was. I think, again, that's one that maybe from where you were, Alex, you, you couldn't see. Uh, looked like it kind of just hit the post, but oh, it, clearly a save. And then he, he follows it up with another save. What will that do for, for Hadke, uh Rossi, in terms of his confidence? Yeah, I think just starting a championship game probably has given him a lot of confidence. Hmm. I was being a bad photographer at this point. I was just watching it. I was just—I wasn't actually taking pictures. I was just sort of like, it, I was. To be fair, that that final thirty minutes, I was just like, "Come on, town, come on." Um, and that's when I put my—I put my town support hat on for a second there because I always do anyway. But like, especially at that moment, I was just—I couldn't do anything. I was just—I was just my mouth hard moment. I was just like, "Oh my god, come on, come on, please!" And when he did that save, I was like, "Good old Vaz." Um, a lot of people. Would think he is, you know, a young kid, but he's not a young kid. You know, he's an experienced goalkeeper. Okay, mm. he hasn't played m- much, you know, league games. He hasn't started, but he is thirty-two, and he has played, you know, for Salford. I know it's Salford. He has played, of course, in Scotland with St Mirren. I know it's Scottish football, but he has played senior football before. Um, and you know, I think he can make that step up, and he's done that straight away because he's had to go up against some really good attackers make some really good saves in that, that 30 minutes. There's, as I said, there's so many balls going to the box, Sunderland did. Um, and yeah, I think he's somebody he's, he's, yeah, he's had to prepare for this moment and he's gone in to do it. You know, he, he actually, he's, as you mentioned, his last league start was McKenna's first ever game in charge, wasn't it? The Wickham game. Wickham game, um, yeah. And of course, he got a clean sheet in that one. Um, so I think he's a good number two for Walton, but he stepped up to be number one for this one. Um, and he's proved his worth. So, yeah, fair play to him. And, uh, yeah, I'm comfortable with him in the net for the, the coming weeks, months, how long Walton's out for. That's what I was going to ask you, actually. And I'll ask you this, Rossi. I'll stick with you because, obviously, you've seen Walton and Hagley play more than, than AJ has. How much of a drop-off do you think that is? Because I, I got mildly criticised for uh, putting on social media that it was terrible news that Walton was injured. And clearly, you can't dress it up as anything other than bad news. Um, it's not great news that one of the best keepers in the league, the reigning League One Golden Glove, is out injured for a significant period of time. And, and McKenna, obviously, AJ asked him about it, and he he can't say, "God, it's awful." Um, it, you know, he said Vaz is 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 great, and he'll do great. But for you, Rossi, as someone who's seen them both, how much of a kind of a difference do you think that there is between them as, as keepers? Is there stuff that you're more worried about with Cladkey, for example, than you are with Walton? 
maybe because Walton has been used to playing the kind of ball. I know once again, likely he's in training and he's he's there day in, day out, but he's not playing as much as Walton. So um, Walton's got used to that, playing on the floor, waiting for the ball. Um, but I think a lot of people maybe have judged Delanke from his first start at the club because, you know, the first few weeks or first few months, actually, you know, when we had Paul Cook in charge, mm. Delanke was number one, weren't he, until Christian Walton signed. And he had a few dodgy moments. Um, and I think that's straight away. A lot of people have gone, no, he's not good enough. And then they've just put him aside and Walton's come in. Of course, yeah. Walton's been superb. All those clean sheets, unbelievable saves. Um, so I think that's why. But then some people actually prefer Lanky to Walton, which, you know, is, is a well, If you remember, really. not, not too long yeah. ago, I say not too long ago, around the time that, that town was stumbling yeah. um, in that bad run, we actually did have a conversation on here, didn't we, about how, how, how long before we have a genuine discussion about whether or not Ladke should should be considered over Walton. So it's not too long ago. And obviously Walton has a has a tremendous season. But um he's certainly gonna be in the sticks for a while at the moment now, isn't he? Yeah, and of course he yeah, he had a few nervy moments as I said, but the whole team did didn't they in that mm. first twenty minutes, you know, on the ball, I just thought he wasn't that comfortable on the ball. Um, but that's once again something he's just going to have to get used to because, okay, yeah, you can train that as much as you can at the training ground, but in a live action match in the championship in front of 40,000 people, of course he's going to be nervous. Um, mm. But he proved he can play against a, a good team in Burnley in the FA Cup last year. Yeah. And both of those games made some crucial saves, especially mm. the first game at Porton Road. Um, he was maybe one of the main reasons why we got a replay in the end because he had to make some cracking saves. Um, but he seems like a good character just to... Straight away, like he, he knows he's going to be number two because Walton has been unbelievable. Um, because he came here off of winning the League Two Golden Glove, mm. comes in, um, was thinking he's going to be number one, but then we signed Walton, who you know he was a Premier League goalkeeper at the end of the day. I know he hasn't played that, he never played in the Premier League, I don't think. I think maybe he made one appearance for Brighton, but he you know he came here and he's been number one, Walton. But yeah, I think fans are just. You know, appreciating the Lanky because he's had to come in and made that crucial save at the end. So, uh, yeah, up up the Vaz, but uh, I hope up I the Vaz, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> up the Vaz, as we always say. I mean, everyone, everyone you, you speak to, kind of players at the club, they all say he's brilliant. They all really like him, which is great. And going back to those those boxes ticked in the first game, having your backup keeper who's suddenly thrust into the starting role, make his first championship start, and then make the game saving save. Again, that's another huge box ticked, isn't it? Um, AJ, obviously we've got some stuff to, to play post-game, um, but is there anything else from the game you want to discuss? Any other boxes ticked or performances you want to highlight? I think the Hladky one's interesting in, in terms of how he's going to fit into this team over the next few weeks. I think when I was covering Cambridge, they had a, a similar situation where their first-choice goalkeeper a few years ago was David Ford, legendary goalkeeper, uh, a veteran of the game who I think retired a couple of years ago now. Uh, and when he stepped out of the team with a few poor performances and eventually moved on, they brought in Dimitar Mitov, who was a fantastic shot stopper, really, really good. Uh, but his distribution just wasn't really there. And the kicks went out for throw-ins all the times. There was a lot of frustration that he wasn't good enough because while he could make the saves, the distribution was not there at all. With really good training, which helped because he was a, a quite a young player at this point. I think he's only about 26. Um, he managed to improve that, not massively. He, he still isn't the, the best when it comes to his distribution, but he became a much more well-rounded goalkeeper because he was able to improve that and maintain the fact that you kick a ball in and he's going to stop it from going in the net. 
uh, and it, it really helped him kick on his career. He made a little bit of a strange move up to St. Johnson this summer, but there was definitely some big suitors for him after a, a huge performance in Newcastle a couple of years ago where he held out for a clean sheet there in the FA Cup against the full-strength Newcastle team. And Hladky gives me kind of similar vibes in that sense where he's going to be thrust into the spotlight now. But the way that Town play with playing out from the back, I don't necessarily think it suits him. So it's a case of looking at, well, do you change it to make the goal kicks? Do you, do you want to make it more direct to suit him and change how the team's approach is? Probably not. I think that McKenna will be unlikely to do that. Or are you going to have to look at him and say, right, if you're going to become the man step up in Walton's absence, you're going to need to become the man to distribute at the back. You're going to need to be brave and you're going to need to be able to organise that back line. If he can do that, which he got better at in the game, but he will need to definitely step up in that aspect. If he can do that, then I think he will be an ample replacement over the next kind of few weeks and months. In terms of other points from the game, don't do that too much, Town, ideally. I think we all need a bit of a breather. There will be games like that. I think they will also benefit from it. One of the things I, I spoke to McKenna about afterwards was, did you organise the, the hard Innsbruck games with Leipzig and Werder Bremen because you knew that there would be games like that in the Championship because you knew that maybe Towns out possession work wasn't really tested in League One and it needed to be something that they were aware of and, and, up, and up for, basically. Was that why... The Leipzig game was there and the Werder Bremen game were there, especially because it was slightly weird timing and scheduling and all that. And he said, yeah, pretty much. And I think that's a big reason as to why Town managed to step up as quickly as they did. I think maybe other League One teams would have struggled a bit more, albeit that, that they did take a bit of time to find their feet in that game. So that's the big thing for me. This is a team that's learning quickly about mm. what life's like in the championship. But if they keep going on current form, then give it a few weeks. Sure, there'll be more games like this when they play, you know, your Leeds, your Leicesters, your Southamptons, your, your Middlesbroughs, your teams like that. But they will be right up for it and it won't take that long to adapt, I don't think. Mm. Yeah, in terms of, I think, final stats off the top of my head off from memory, I think it was 65-35 possession-wise for Sunderland, which is unheard of for town. I think that the, the lowest possession they had in any game last season was above 40%. So this is completely kind of fish out of water stuff. And the other thing I want to say before we move on to post-game stuff, I've never spoken to so many people about plantar fasciitis so much as I did last week. Um, people telling me, oh, it's nothing to worry about. It'll get over it. I just I just, I just wore a sock and it was it was fine. And I was thinking, I think town have got doc- doctors. I think, they know what I think they know what they're doing um, at town. And then obviously it turned out that they had uh, actually torn the muscle, which is a lot more serious. Plantar fasciitis on its own, nasty. Anyway, let's move on. You talked there, Alex, about <clears throat> uh, potentially uh, town adapting and using preseason to change what they're going to do. And Massimo Luongo, when you spoke to him post game, he, he spoke really well. Um, you said he's now your new favourite town player, um, and he touched on 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 the kind of different way of winning the game. Let's hear that now. First game, obviously the result, brilliant. You know, we'll take that. Um, coming here is so hard. Um, I haven't had much joy in my career here, but it's it's always a tough game. The crowd's massive and all that. But um, I think starting the game was probably a little bit of a shock to us because we want to be front-footed, we wanted to press, you know, we want to play quick, we want to be aggressive and um, suffocate teams. Um, it, it's tough to see out those games, and and you know, although they scored, I, I did feel quite 
um, comfortable. We have our identity and, and we're very stubborn in the way we want to play. And I think um, I'm trying to get around the lads like, you know, that's a big win, you know, that's a top win. And uh, we've got to celebrate those type of wins and we move on. We've learned a new way of winning and, and I think if we've got that in the locker now and we can push on. I love that line. AJ, I love that line. We've learned a new way of winning, a different way of winning in the first game of the season. They're up against it and they find a way to win. Um, and what a nice, bloody nice bloke. I love him. I think he's great. He's uh, a really friendly character and I thoroughly enjoyed talking to him uh, after the game. I think he made some really good points there. Um, and the, the bit you got out from that uh, audio is really some, some strong quotes from him. There are interesting bits with the the competition that he has for example but i think one of the interesting parts that he highlights is that in previous clubs that he's been at he ne hasn't necessarily had that same approach it's been a bit kind of well the back to the wall mentality is what we do on a, a weekly basis that's how mm. we approach games so he's had at previous clubs and the way that town play has meant that when he's come in he's had to maybe adapt his game a little bit more especially becoming quite an important player within this team last season going into this season. But that means that when Town have these kind of games, and the, as I said, there will be quite a few, he's now in a really good position to say, well, I've played for this team and we had to do this and this is how we got through uh, and, and kind of scraped this win and had this backs-to-the-wall performance. I wouldn't necessarily say that the Sunderland one ticked those kind of extremes and I don't necessarily believe that town will have many of them where they're going to end up getting pasted for 90 minutes because that's not the kind of team they are but there will be elements mm. of of that within how they play over the next kind of nine months and having so someone like Luongo who's experienced both extremes I think will be really important for town yeah and, and Rossi it, it, kind of reading between the lines and not so much between the lines actually when you when you when you listen and, and read what he said after the game it was almost like they were kind of disappointed in in their performance because they're so used to having the ball you know kind of sweeping teams aside playing this lovely sexy football he, he kind of said a few times it's not we couldn't get a foothold in the game that's not you know how we're used to playing and yet they come out the other end with a win uh, and him there actually saying he was going around people saying come on we, that was a good win we've got to we've got to be happy with that yeah, you think with the last few months of the League One season, we were winning 4-0, 6-0, basically yeah. Yeah, smashing teams and uh, just dominating. So maybe that's what they were just being used to. And like, oh, I said, it was a shock to the system. Like, okay, we're not dominating now. We're not the big the big fish in the small pond. Now we are, you know, a, a big club in the championship. But there's other big clubs in this division with some other great players. Um, so, yeah, I think we're just going to have to get used to that. Of course, there's a lot of talk going into this season with town. A lot of people predicting like we've we're probably being the negative Nancys in, in terms of actually like yeah we're not actually putting them in the playoffs. Yeah. A lot a lot of teams a lot, a lot of um, pundits a lot of podcasts putting them second putting them third putting them fifth. Mm. Um, so that's a lot of a lot of pressure on these players. Um, of course they are professional footballers. So they've got to you know go on that with that pressure. Um, but yeah, I, I wasn't. What I was expecting was, yeah, the first, you know, 45 minutes to be a battle anyway. I wasn't going into this, well, your town are going to clean, go clean through a sun because, as we mentioned before, they got into the playoff last year. They're a good team. Tony Mowbray, his teams are very good. Um, but, yeah, maybe that, that first 20 minutes, I did I did see that nerves. Um, but they settled in, as we said. They grew into the game and they won it at the end of the day. And as you said, as Matt said, 
They've got to find a new way to win, and that's what they did. They grinded it. They got the three points. Happy days. Yeah, and you touched it there, uh, Rossi, that in terms of um, people tipping town. They're, they're a fashionable pick this season, aren't they? Uh, and on telly, Kevin Phillips was was clearly confused. He kept saying, I don't, I, I can't see why they're, I can't see why they're up there in terms of favourites. This was pre-game, and then obviously they win the game. Uh, and actually, Mowbray comes out after the game and says, if Kevin Phillips had been playing for us, we'd have won the game. Anyway, the reason I, I talk about that is because it sets up a next the next clip, which is McKenna post-game talking about that kind of chat around town. So let's see uh, what he said. I think there's already been a, a fair bit of talk about us and how well we do, which, you know, I think we're humble in the building to know what the step is and know where we're coming from and how hard it's going to be. Um, but yeah, it's a good start. I think, you know, I think at this stage of the season, everyone's going to be focusing on themselves, to be honest, and their next opponent and, um, you know, trying to improve themselves. And I think you can't read too much into the early game or the early games. Um, but for us, it's just a, a good start, a good platform. And again, lots of things that we can prove and take forward. And I think one of the things we're going to take forward is bucket loads of added time, which again, I think what was a 13 minutes added on to this one, um, which is going to be, I think it's going to be. Like and the, the rest. New, and the rest. Yeah. I think like nine minutes added on is going to be the new four minutes. It's basically going to be normal. Uh, and McKenna addressed that after the game as well. So let's into that before we talk about it. We're going to all have to adapt to, I understand why they're trying to do it. And um, everyone wants to see, you know, more ball and play time and take, you know, Time wasting, reduced time wasting in the game, um, but it, it means it's a long game. So yeah, it's something that we're all going to have to adapt to, and I'm sure the the referees will will review how it's going after a few weeks, and um, hopefully come to a sort of sensible middle ground where um, we see lots of ball playing, lots of action, and you know stamp out any really deliberate time wasting as well as we can, but also you know think about the the spectacle and and the, you know the players as well. That we're going to have to win a lot of tight games. Um, with this, you know, there's going to be less four, five, and six nils. That's for sure. So, um, yeah, whether that's seeing a game out when it's tight, or you know, hopefully coming back maybe from behind or getting some tight ones over the line in our way, that's going to be really important for us. So to see that first one out, um, especially with so much time added on and injuries and cramps, was I think it was a, a really good moment for the squad. Well then, AJ. So we saw it across all games in the football league i think i saw a stat saying vast majority of games across the weekend were, were 100 minutes plus um and i kind of applaud the thinking behind it because i you know we, we've seen time wasting and shithousery and all that kind of stuff and we've, we've moaned about that and they've clearly brought that they've seen that as a problem they've brought this in to say no we're going to play the full amount of time uh, and i applaud the sentiment behind it but how, how do you feel about about it about that kind of impact because you know, you know, you can get in this situation. You can get to two one at the ninety minutes, and then you see thirteen minutes coming up. I mean, that is mentally that's that is a bit of a going to be a bit of a challenge for players. I'm in two minds about it. It is a very strange one to to think about. I was at uh, the Cambridge game on Saturday where they beat Oxford two 0 and I think having seen some of the other time from the other games, we were thinking that. It would have been a four minute usually and ends up being six. So I think for starters, referees seem to be taking this kind of different expectations and, and different kind of standards based on their personal views of the game. Mm. Whereas that I don't necessarily think there's a set kind of thing where it matches everyone's expectations necessarily. Uh, and that Cambridge game was one that, that very much 
echoed that. The two sides of it for me is that on the one hand, I think there's the fans' perspective because a lot of people have said, well, you know, it messes with plans, it messes with broadcasters, obviously make things harder for us, for example, with print deadlines uh, and travel and all that kind of stuff, which I definitely understand. But when it comes to kind of the greater sphere of football as it is, I feel maybe it has to take the priority because it is something that is trying to tackle an issue within the game. And Mm. if it's kind of dealing with or or interfering with outside issues, it's not necessarily relevant, I don't feel. And at the end of the day, for sporters especially, it's more football. (laughs) Can you complain too much in that sense? The the issue that I have probably is is from the the players uh, and from the, the coaching side where I think overall, let's say you add on in the region of 10 to 15 minutes per game, you're going to be playing hours more than you would usually do. Um, I think that this morning it was mentioned that Town had ran more in in the game against Sunderland than they had at any point last season at all. The the running stats were much higher because you're playing a, a half of extra time. There's so much going on. And for the players who we know how ruthless the championship is, they're in a position where they've got to play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, fairly fairly, uh, regularly throughout the season. And they know that they could have anywhere up to, what, about 20 minutes plus added on 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 top of each game. And that's a lot to deal with. And it, it factors into things like preparation going into other games, and in terms of seeing games out, you've got to take a totally new approach. And I think that's probably the hardest aspect. And that's where you need to find the middle ground, as McKenna said. So the biggest concern for me is that I like it from an entertainment perspective, less so from a journalism a journalist point of view. Um, but there's also the, the players' side, and it's going to be really tough for them if this is a trend that continues. So finding a halfway house between the two extremes, as it seems to be at the moment, is definitely a priority that, that needs to be dealt with sooner rather than later. Yeah, I suppose you look at it, if they're playing 15 minutes roughly extra every game. I know technically it's not extra, it's time that has, hasn't has been used or has expired and they've, they've kind of added it on, as it were. That's You're playing then an extra half of football every three games in theory, which quickly in terms of the physical toll on, on the players at this kind of level adds up, doesn't it? So uh, let's, let's see what happens. Uh, Rossi, any thoughts on, on the added time? Apart from obviously the, the main consideration is how much it affects our deadlines, which is a serious pain in the, in the posterior. Yeah. Like once again, I like football like all of us, but, not, not you know, 90 minutes of football and added on time. Because maybe it could be lots of... Actually, you know what? Actually, I like it, actually. Because it could be lots <laughs> of late goals. Lots of goals. Cause no, we don't want that. We don't want that, Ross. What are you talking okay. about? That's, Sorry. That is, yeah, that's not, exactly what we don't want. Want, actually, yeah. Because you have to rewrite Rewrite intros. Yeah. You suddenly find new pictures for the back page, front oh, page. Yeah. Sorry. All that sort and of def- stuff. Oh, we don't want the Cholton game all over again, do we? Bloody we hell. do not. We do not we want do not that want on the midweek. We do not no. want that. Um, no, just scrap it. Just when it hits 90, just the referee blow the whistle, job done, that be days. There um, we go. So, yeah, it is is what it is, really, isn't it? Um, I just said, like, even for fans, like, some people, of course, leave, which I don't agree with sometimes, but if you want, you know, you've got young kids or you, you want to, you know, you, you park somewhere far or you don't want, you want to beat the rush, but you're now going to think, okay, I've got 30 minutes. Like, when do I, like, do leave? So, yeah, it is is what it is. But, uh, 
we shall see how much they they may crack it down a little bit. They'll go, okay, maybe 13 minutes is a bit a bit too much, but we'll we'll find out. Rossi, you've just put a picture on Instagram, haven't you? Because my phone's going mental. Yes. I'm gonna yes. have to do what I always do when you put a picture on Instagram, which is mute the notifications. You do it at night, my, my bedside table starts vibrating. Ooh. And the and, and and the wife goes, What the what is going on? Yeah, we've been married for a while, mate. She knows it's not that. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, where were we? Uh, Bristol Rovers. Should we talk about Bristol Rovers? <laughs> Bristol. <laughs> Bristol Rovers uh, tomorrow night. We go again. Uh, Alex um, has to come back to Ipswich again tomorrow night to cover Ipswich Town. A return, of course. Uh, their first game on this new. This is going to drive me mental, Ross. Why have you done this? <sighs> Sorry. To throw Sorry. my phone out the window. In mode needed. Throw my phone out the window. First game on the new pitch. You boys were there bright and early this morning for the presser with, with Martin Pert and Lee Evans. And one of the perks of that, boys, is you got to see the new pitch. And Rossi, you got to take the picture, which is now exploding my phone. Um, how's it looking? Ah, it's right. <laughs> I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's it's looking good. Um, it's once again they put a lot of money into it, haven't they? Um, and that's why it took this took all this summer. That's why. We've had no preseason games because they've worked hard to get this pitch ready, and it just looks like a carpet. It does look like a carpet, um, and just all the other added on, you know, stuff they've added as well, like the blue astro turf. So I'm not hopefully not going to be slipping now because there's so many times on the old out out, you know, off the pitch. I used to always let it slip because if it rained, you just you know, it was a, like it's a it was a health hazard really. The amount of people actually did slip. I remember Andy saying one story which links yeah, to Joe Barton once. Yeah. Joe Butt was there, yeah. Um, but yeah, it looks good, and I think the players are good. They were training on it today for the first time. I'm sure they were loving that. McKenna, of course, McKenna Ball, he loves that as well. Um, so yeah, fans are gonna kind of like it. And um, as I said, just the add a little extra added touches, I think people mm. will like. So uh, yeah, look forward to for the players to play on it properly for the first time against Bristol Rovers. But uh, yeah, it looks like a carpet, a carpet bar. Uh, and obviously the blue Astro, I think, really adds to the feel of it as well, doesn't it? Kind of completes completes the look. And if you want to see the picture, you go on our Instagram now. Um, and uh, I've, I've paused notifications for thirty years, so it, it won't it won't affect me. Uh, also on our website as well, if you're going to go and see the pictures. The next question, of course, AJ, is what sort of side? How seriously did Town take this game? You spoke to Martin Pert this morning, who said what you'd expect him to say, which is we want to win every game and get better and better and better. And with the size of squad that Town have got, and again, also, you also spoke to Lee Evans, didn't you? This is a big opportunity for, for quite a lot of players, isn't it? Um, how would you approach this? If you've got sort of players that you would like to see, who would you be kind of putting on that pitch tomorrow? Yeah, I won't go through my full 11 because we've got our boot room video that uh, I believe, I don't know when we've got that one coming up, Ross will be able to clarify what the plans are with that. It will be out by the time you listen to this, possibly. Or ah, there you go. Do them both at the same time. Yeah, don't do that. Or it might, be out, it, might, it might be out tomorrow morning as part of the pre-match build-up. Who knows? That would be very strange if you listen to both at the same time. But I have done my um, my starting lineup for that game. There are definitely a few that I'd like to see. Uh, the one name that we know will be involved in some way is Elkin Baggett. Uh, I asked McKenna about what the plans would be with him, and it sounds like basically the plans are we're going to have more discussions and see how things go over the next few days, possibly leading into next week. So no huge update, but he will be involved, and I think that probably gives you a good idea of how they're going to approach this one. And I've seen kind of a few mixed comments where where some fans just want right get the kids out, get get everyone under the age of 20 and just put them on the pitch and see how it goes. And I think that's probably a little bit extreme. 
uh, I would be making wholesale changes nonetheless. Players that I really want to see, Jack Taylor, uh, after not being on the pitch at Sunderland, which I think was a bit harsh with him, but I think with how the game panned out, it's probably understandable that that's, that's the route McKenna went down, but he definitely deserves a run out uh, at Portman Road tomorrow. And I'd say Amari Hutchinson's another one that I'd really like to see. This, this is where he can... Uh, show what he's capable of with a full match or or most of a match starting against the League One team. We saw what he did against Cambridge and they're going to be kind of similar level teams. That's where we can really gauge what kind of level he's at as well because if he's taking to the pitch and absolutely showing his quality and tearing Bristol Rovers to pieces, then we'll know that he's probably one of those that's going to be knocking on the door for a start in the next few weeks. Other than that, Freddie Ladapo, let's give him his chance. I've been quite vocal on the fact that he deserves a chance. I like how much he works. I like his physicality that he brings and his his work rate in the final third where he really needs to press. And we saw it was quite difficult for Hurst. And I think that Ladapo did what he needed to off the bench against Sunderland. And I think that warrants a start uh, against Bristol Rovers. Uh, a team where, again, we know what he can do at League One level, so he should be feeling confident. Those would be the three that I'd, I'd want to see. Really excited to see Amari Hutchinson if he gets to start. I, I, I think I had him as the uh, best summer signing so far. I love what I've seen so far. There was always a bit of concern going into his first pro season, and if he can take games like these by the scruff of the neck, then really, really excited. I reckon I can tell you what the starting eleven will be now. Shall I attempt to predict it? Okay. Let's go. Slicker in goal. Harry Clark right back. Edmondson Baggett centre back. Lee left back. Taylor. Who's the other who's the other midfielder? Taylor Evans. Evans in midfield. Obviously, he did the presser. He'll definitely be playing. Right wing, Caden Jackson, Shawnee Aluko in the 10 spot. Amori Hutchinson left. Ladapo up top. That'll be the team. I reckon, uh, Rossi. The only th- the only thing in, in terms of that thinking that I would kind of question is the keeper. So Ladkey, obviously, we know he's going to have to play a lot. Do you use this game as a game to get him more touches of the ball, more comfortable in that role, or do you say, well, at some point, we may have to have Slicker in? So let's get him. Let's get him involved. Yeah, it's a tricky one because um, a lot of people. They get frustrated when the manager, and it happens because you know you've got a squad, you got to, you got to keep everyone happy. But I know some fans they get a bit frustrated about the rotation. You just rotate the whole squad, and of course, Town have had that in the past. You know, many years. You know, last year we finally got through. You know, the FA Cup. You know, a couple of rounds, mm. um, and McKenna didn't rotate it that much, did he? he didn't really rotate it. With the, with the league cuts, a bit different because it's start of the season. Everyone's pretty much fresh. Um, you just come off a championship game, you know, that was only a few days ago. Um, going back to your original question, sorry, I just I went on to a bit of a tangent there, but I just I agree with some fans with when they do go, Why do you rotate? Because the players are up to speed, but they don't want to risk you know injuries because a lot of people <laughs> came off injured. Um, and I think, think uh, McKenna said that they're fine, just little knocks, little nickels because it was a tough game against Sunderland. Um, but going back to um, Vaz and Slicker. Of course, you want to maybe give Slicker a chance to play a competitive game. But as you said, maybe, you know, Portland Road pitch, a chance for Vaz to continue to get that minutes. Okay, he's going to get minutes throughout the next week's months, as we already spoke about. Um, but I'll, go, I'll put Slicker in goal for this one just to give him that chance, that experience. 
Uh, you're playing Bristol Rovers and hopefully we can progress and win and we're into the next round. Um, so, yeah, I think that's what McKenna would have done if um, Walton was still fit. Vaz would have probably played this game anyway because that's what mm. managers do. They, they just rotate the goalkeeper and I think that's what he'll probably do with Slicker. Okay. Well, if you want to see what Alex thinks will happen and what the boys think will happen tomorrow, um, go and watch the boot room video uh, when that's out. I think it might be tomorrow morning, but we can discuss that post-production, Rossi, after this recording. Um, we've done an hour now, boys, so let's not spend too much longer talking about things. But we do, of course, have to mention the big one this weekend, uh, Stoke City at home, 30,000 people inside of Portman Road, the first championship game uh, at Portman Road since 2019. New pitch, millions of pounds invested in new pitch, and a side that are showing already they can be very competitive in the championship. I think this is probably going to be the only time we get to talk about this because Stu's already on holiday. Ross, after today, is going on holiday. What idiot gave half of the side the first half of the week and a half off of the new season? Ah, I think that was me. Uh, I need to have a serious chat with myself. We don't need him, though, do we, AJ? But anyway, this is, so this is the last time we'll get to talk about it before it happens. AJ, it's going to be brilliant. We're all going to be there. If you do see us, come and say hello. Um, this is this is going to be tremendous stuff, Alex. This will be spectacular. And in a way, I think it's um, a bit of a shame that the first home game ends up being the Bristol Rovers one because I think it'd be really nice just to have it all, all built up to mm. the Stoke game this weekend. Uh, but I know that we're expecting good numbers for that Bristol Rovers game. So regardless, the, the championship's where it's at. And I think it's a really good opponent to have for it as well for that first home game. They are a side that won big on opening day. We know the quality that they have, even though they've underperformed recently. And they come as kind of an established championship side now, a side that didn't really manage to bounce back like they'd hoped to a few seasons ago. And with that comes quite a big match feel, maybe not quite as much as, say, a Sunderland, but it, it just fits so well. And it feels like a game that, town can take the upper hand in because they're going to have everyone behind them fresh off the back of promotion there's going to be such a buzz and my first league game at uh, portman roads as well so that will be an exciting an exciting experience too i feel like you've skipped over i mean you have literally skipped over all those years of dross i know you're at portman road for a couple of them the mick mccarthy kind of era and mm. the other bits uh, and you come into the first competitive game you'd have covered it's which town at portman road and it's going to be like completely different than it has been for a year like it's mm. going to be absolutely rammed it's going to be so exciting i fully expect town to launch themselves at stoke in the, in the way that sunderland did town on sunday it's going to be a great day isn't it ross are you excited yeah, right. Excited. Although it sounds like the Bristol Rovers game is going to be a big crowd as well, because it? once again, it, it's the first time since town fans would see mm. the new pitch, being at Portland Road since the Exeter game when they won promotion. So I've heard it's going to be a big crowd. So um, normal cup games, as you said, you, they normally shut the this main stand, you know, the top tiers of deep stand. But I think it's going to be, from what I've what I've been told, it's going to be a big crowd. So. Um, Fair play um, for a cup game. Um, but yeah, Stoke on Saturday where the proper football is, the championship, uh, it's going to be exciting because I'm sure they're going to put a show on, you know, probably pre-match. They're going to do loads of different bits, I'm sure. Um, and town fans are going to be in their season ticket seats. And there'll be a lot of new season ticket holders, I'm sure. Um, good old John Watson, the King of the North. He's got one. He's travelling from Doncaster. I know there's a lot of fans who travel around the country, even abroad. They come and come to the game. 
Um, and Stoke, they're a good side. They did really well on the opening day. So it's going to be a big test, this one. We've gone from Sunderland to Stoke. It's going to be a good game. And uh, yeah, I can't wait. On that note, I know there are season ticket holders all over the world, which is tremendous, tremendous commitment. I think DJ, a friend of the show, number one, he's got one over in Jacksonville. And also the guy you met after the game with Leipzig, was it? Or Word of Bremen? Was it Lindsay? And his mm-hmm. daughter, they live in Munich, don't they? And I know yeah. he's a season ticket holder. So what I want to know, friends, we know, by the way, because we see it in the in the kind of stats from this show, that this podcast is listened to all over the world. I think last champ, 40-something plus countries. So I want to know, if you are abroad, where are you listening to this show? Let us know. Um, send us a message on Twitter or email me or something. And also, I want to find the furthest flung owner of a season ticket. Is there someone in Australia, for example, who's got a season ticket? That would be mental, but also tremendously kind of committed and to be applauded. So do let us know that. Um, friends, that brings us to the end of this particular show. We've done just over an hour. We've, we've done eight added minutes, actually. I said to Charlie we'd do 10 because we didn't we didn't um, bring him a show yesterday. So not quite the 13 that Town had at the weekend, although I can probably feel for another, another five minutes just rambling. Friends, I hope you've enjoyed the show today. If you Town are up and running, is there anything else to mention, boys, before I do my shambolic outro? AJ, Rossi, anything you want to say? Uh, give it a few more weeks and I will stop confusing Sam Morsi and Massimo Luongo. <laughs> uh, this 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 will take time, but as they continue building their bond, I will continue learning that they are two different players. And and your love for Luongo may well grow. Oh more you yes, speak exactly. I think he's fantastic. What a personality! Just lovely guy. Bloody lovely guy. And, and speaking of lovely guys, Rossi, obviously you're a lovely guy. You're off now to Liverpool for Sasha's birthday. Yes. What have you got planned? I assume we're going to get pictures of you in the Cavern Club, are we? Where the uh, the Beatles started there. Fairly successful career. Yeah, they're right, weren't they? They're not too bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's the plan. And just do, you know, touristy stuff in Liverpool. We'll, we'll find different things. I'm sure I'll be drinking a lot, eating a lot. Um, but yeah, looking forward to it. I've been to Liverpool before, but um, just, you know, that's what my missus wanted to do. And I was happy to do it. So we're uh, getting the train tomorrow and we're going to enjoy that. So if you're about in Liverpool, say hello if you want. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh I want to quickly just shout out me and Alex's behind the scenes uh, video, yeah. uh, which is for subscribers. So um, if you haven't already, check it out. We uh, rated our food media food scran um, of the season, um, which okay doesn't look good as a picture, but it was it was it was solid. It was solid. So um, check that out. And um, from our journey to Sunderland, it was a yeah a good video to put together. It's one of the many things we're going to give to subscribers. I think this season um, that gives us actually I should I should. Re- remind you all that we are offering a flash sale six pound for six months of access to all our content so you get this video for example on the EADT app and website and you get things like the behind the scenes video that uh, we're going to produce uh, for every game ideally this season uh, reasons to watch that number one the food reviews the food ratings i think it's going to be great an insight into the, the food the boys get all over the country number two stuart watson grumpy dad and how grumpy he gets being forced to be involved as these two youngsters film everything they're doing for a behind-the-scenes uh, expose of life on the road. Watson is going to be so grumpy about this. It's going to be classic. It's going to be kind of forcing himself to smile and stuff like that. So probably worth a pound or six pounds over six months just for that, friends. Uh, but, yeah, flash sale, six pounds, six months. Uh, links on our social media. Go on my Twitter. Um, I've got the link right at the top of the feed. So get involved. So many of you supported us in that, um, and it's really nice. Uh, we Obviously, we love what we do, and it's great that so many of you enjoy 
what we do. Um, uh, and if you feel able to support us by giving us £6 for six months, that would be tremendous. Also, it means you can enter the competition to win a signed Amari Hutchinson shirt. And you, you've all been told what he's going to do this season by AJ. So you don't want to miss out on a chance to get your hands on that particular shirt. Friends, I have waffled. We are now nearing one hour, 15 minutes, the added time. Just a reminder then to support our sponsors, Manscaped. Use the code KOA at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery all their excellent clubber, including their new Beard Hedger, the Beard Pro kit I can highly recommend. I'm currently working with a, about a five millimetre stubble. I can tell you that now because of the movable wheel. You can know exactly how long your, your facial hair is. Obviously, they also sell all manner of other trimmers and stuff. And also, of course, support our friends at Ginger Pickle uh, for help with your, your Google ranking, your uh, your digital advertising, your SEO, all that kind of stuff. Tony Southgate and the boys at Ginger Pickle are who you want to be involved in. And also, friends, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes because it helps lift our visibility in the charts. Right then, that's done. The time added on is almost at an end. The whistle is going to be blown. The whistle has gone on the start of its Wish Town season. They won 2-1 at Sunderland. They play again on Wednesday. We'll be there. Follow it all with us. Rossi and Stu will return from their holiday in time for the Stoke City game on Saturday. We'll all be there. Say hello if you are going to be at the game. Love to, to chat with you. Have a great week, whatever you're doing, friends. And we'll be back next week to break it all down once more.